Heavenly Father, as we now turn to the Scriptures that You breathed out, make it profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction in the way of righteousness, that the man of God might be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. For Jesus' sake, amen. Please be seated. Now we turn in our morning studies as we uh, bring this small little book, Second Timothy, to a close, and we have maybe four or five sermons left. Today's passage is chapter 3 and verses 1 through 9, chapter 3 and verses 1 through 9. This is the Word of God. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all as was that of those two men. Well, so far, God's holy inerrant word, may he add his blessing to the reading of it. Now, we come this morning to something of a dark passage. When you get a box of chocolates, some of them are bitter and some of them are sweet. Some of you have preferences. You look at the 
lid of the box and see what they are and their description, and there are ones that you say, well, I don't like those, I'm going to avoid those. I want these. Some of you are smiling, so you're tracking. (laughs) This is one of those bitter ones. Preachers have times when they wish they had another text. That's part of the demand placed upon someone who preaches consecutively through the Bible. And there are really, really good texts that preach well, and folk are going to go away feeling good and happy, content, victorious. And then there are darker passages, and I don't want to send you away here with doom and, and gloom, because the passage ends on a bright note. Let me begin this morning reminding you, of course, that this is Paul's last letter. He's in prison weeks, months from writing it, and certainly before Timothy made his way to Rome from Ephesus, he was beheaded. So Paul is writing with that knowledge of an imminent death from the insane Emperor Nero. And he's telling you what's on his mind for the church, for Timothy, as a young pastor. What can you expect? And I want to say three introductory comments based on chapter 3 and verse 1. The first are the words, but understand this. But understand this. Now, what is the this that difficult times are coming? Well, surely you say to yourself, Timothy knew that. He knew that uh, Paul was in prison. He knew he was facing a trial before Emperor Nero. The chances of him surviving that trial were zero. He knew that, as Paul has said in this letter, that all of Asia have turned against him. Timothy had himself encountered uh, what he calls babblers, godless chatter, those who like the sound of their own voices and enter into needless controversies. But maybe, maybe Timothy thought this was just a, a fleeting thing, a passing thing, a momentary affliction. Maybe, maybe Paul wants to address that youthful optimism. In turns. as you think about a life of ministry, and you think of it in terms of success, and perhaps being in a church like this doesn't help you often, because not all churches are like this. 
Paul wants to make sure that Timothy understands this. Understand this. Secondly, the word last days. Israel has declared war on Hamas. The coming days are probably going to be brutal. The President of Israel has said that the revenge will be brutal. And uh, I guarantee you, if you uh, begin to look at TikTok or, or YouTube or, or some, some channel or other on TV, religious channel on TV, and uh, they'll be delving into Daniel chapter 9, and they'll be telling you the last days have begun. These are the, the days before the second coming of Jesus, and there'll be talk of pre-tribulation and post-tribulation and a whole bunch of other words. And I want to disabuse you of that, because we have been in the last days for 2,000 years. The day of Pentecost, when God poured down His Holy Spirit and Peter uh, quoted from the prophet Joel, in these last days, what you are seeing, what you are experiencing in terms of these tongues of fire, These are the evidence of the last days. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. God, who in sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in time past by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. All right, so the biblical understanding of last days is that we're, we are already in the last days. Ever since the death and resurrection of Christ and His ascension and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, the last days have begun. There were the days of anticipation, the Old Testament. And then there are the last days. So what Paul is talking about here is something that is true about that period between the two advents of Christ between his first advent and his second advent, including the era in which you and I live. The third introductory point that I want us to see is, what are we to understand about these last days? And what he says is that there will come times of difficulty. Now, Paul is not saying to Timothy that the entirety of the last days is going to be marked by times of difficulty. What he says, there will come times, seasons, episodic periods, of difficulty. 
Times of difficulty, the word difficulty in the Greek is only used one, once uh, in another place in Matthew 8, 28 to describe the two gathering demoniacs who were so fierce, that's the word, so fierce that no one could pass that way. So it seems as though what the Apostle Paul is telling Timothy is that there will be seasons of difficulty, of fierceness. You remember in Ephesians 6 when Paul is describing the armor of God and he says that in the evil day, you may be able to stand. And I think the Apostle Paul is saying there are periods in the history of the church, there are periods in the last days when great evil, fierceness comes upon the church. It's not always like that. There are times of blessing. There are times of revival. There are times of peace. There are times of growth. But Timothy, I want you to understand that there will be seasons of difficulty. He's talking to elders who must guard the flock. And there will be seasons of difficulty when the enemy comes in, picks off those who are weak, coming with a show of religion but whose hearts are empty. Now let's look at what Paul says in, by way of description. And first of all, he describes their moral conduct. And, and there are 19 words or phrases that describe their moral conduct. And if I uh, do a little exposition of each of those 19 words, we'll still be here at tea time. Look at the first and the last. The book covers. And he says... Lovers of self. And then in verse 4, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So the front cover is lovers of self. The back cover is lovers of self rather than lovers of God. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. There is a form of godliness, he says in verse 5, but denying its power. And they are characterized fundamentally as those who love themselves. This love is not directed to God, but to themselves. Lovers of money and lovers of pleasure and without self-control and words that are slanderous and swollen with conceit and so on. 
Now, proud, arrogant, boastful. God opposes the proud and gives strength to the weak and humble. People who think highly of themselves, they look down on others with contempt. Abusive. In the Greek, it's the word blasphemoi. And so the NIV translated, translated as blasphemers. And then a group of words beginning with disobedient to parents. And John Stott uh, is, is adamant that the, five, the four words that follow are all part of that same group of idea of family life in disintegration. And it begins with disobedient to parents. Now we are to obey our parents. And in the Tenth Commandment, to obey our parents in a more general sense, to obey those who have authority over us. And it has civic consequences. To produce order and stability within society. And the next four words, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, unreconcilable, you might say, unwilling to reconcile in a conflict. In the Greek, all these five words are negative. Family life ought to be characterized by obedience and gratitude and respect and affection and reasonableness. And all of these are missing. And the remaining seven, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, a Greek word that's used of wild beasts, not loving good, treacherous, a word that's used of Judas Iscariot, reckless, swollen with conceit, puffed up, lacking humility. Paul isn't describing every situation. He's describing a season. I wonder if you're thinking, well, it describes 2023, breakdown of family life in society, people who are full of themselves, people who want to be heard regardless of the consequences of their words upon others. I abandoned social media a long time ago. It was a complete waste of time. And to be frank, it destroys my soul. Every now and then, one of you will send, send me a link to something, and I, I, I think about it, and then I yield. And I, I go, and I look at all the comments, and I think this is Second Timothy 3, 1 to 9, right here. Proud and selfish and conceited. There is an order. God first. Our neighbor second. 
us last. And when you reverse that order, you put me first, lovers of self, and all that goes with it. And that's the description that Paul is giving here. Now, notice, secondly, that these people are religious, but religious in a general sense, religious in the sense of they have a worldview, and that worldview is idolatrous. Because lovers of self means that you worship yourself, and therefore you have a religion. They have a form of religion, but they deny its power. And Paul is actually thinking here of some who might be in the church of Christ. Shocking. Isn't it? Go back to the 8th century BC. Go to the prophets like Amos and Isaiah. What was the content of their preaching? Over and over and over. It was about empty religion. When Amos says, come to Bethel and transgress, and come to Gilgal and multiply transgressions, Bethel and Gilgal were the places of Baal worship. And as they engaged in that worship, they were only multiplying their transgressions. Man's mind is a perpetual factory of idols, Calvin said. And every idol is a denial of God. What did Jesus say to the Pharisees over and over? You cleanse the outside of the cup and the plate, but the inside is full of greed and self-indulgence. Holding the form of godliness but denying its power. Titus 1.16, they profess to know God, but they deny it by their deeds. Well, again, Paul is saying, and he's saying to elders, there'll come seasons when people will have the form of godliness, but they will deny its power. And what is Paul's advice? Avoid such people. It's the language of church discipline. Avoid such people. Now then thirdly, he describes something in particular that's taking place that he's heard about among whom, in verse 6, are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Now, Paul isn't saying that every woman is weak, but he's talking about a certain group of weak women. How does this, how does this idolatry get a hold in the church? Well, it gets a hold on those who are gullible. 
And because of the reference to Jannes and Jambres, now these two men are not mentioned in the Old Testament, but in Exodus chapter 7, according to Jewish tradition, the magicians that Pharaoh called upon to mimic the miracles of, of Moses were called Jannes and Jambres. And there might be a suggestion here that these people who are creeping into women's houses while men are away at work have gifts of magic. And the weak fall prey to it. I want you to notice something. Paul is saying what happens here in Ephesus happened in the time of Moses when Janus and Jambres opposed the word of Moses because when Moses spoke, he spoke the word of God. Moses was the greatest prophet that ever existed. He saw God face to face. And Paul is putting himself in the same category as Moses. Just as Janus and Jambres oppose Moses, so these people oppose the Word of God, the Word of God that's coming out of my mouth. That's how much Paul saw himself as an apostle. Now, verse 9, the good news. They will not get very far for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. But it will depend upon you, elders, to make sure it doesn't get very far. Idolatry can come in many forms. And Paul is saying to Timothy, young Timothy, there'll be Seasons, seasons in the life of the church when some of the weaker members will be led astray by signs and wonders. And you must be on your guard to protect the flock and love the flock and surround the flock with your prayers. Well, that's the bitter chocolate for today. It gets sweeter next week. Much, much sweeter. With a breathtaking description of the origin of Scripture and the power of Scripture and the value of Scripture. Father, we thank You. Thank You for this word of the Apostle. We must take the dark along with the bright there is darkness all around us. The world is full of darkness. North America is full of darkness. The world of social media is full of darkness. Schools are full of darkness. Education is full of darkness. Books and films are full of darkness and we want to walk in the light, and we want our church to walk in the light, and we fear for those who are weak,
and susceptible, who know little and are easily led astray. And we pray, Father, that as a congregation we might watch over each and every member and help them and protect them by the power of the Holy Spirit, for Jesus' sake. Amen.